October's economic stats are coming in, and there are concerns that Korea is heading toward stagflation, which is a combination of inflation and economic recession. Korea's October inflation stood at 3.2%, which is the highest in nearly 10 years. But on the other hand, Korea's October unemployment figures are potentially misleading. With unemployment at 2.8%, the rate was the lowest in eight years, and the government is boasting that Korea's employment is back to pre-COVID levels. But there has been also a slew of critics who say that the quality of jobs available has fallen. So, of course, we have to weed through the noise. And to make better sense of October's inflation and unemployment numbers, we connect with Professor of Economics at the Catholic University of Korea, Professor Yang jun Sok. Good morning, Professor Yang. Good morning. All right. Let's first start out looking at the October inflation numbers. Uh, what were the contributing factors to the high numbers that month? Okay, well, a main contributor was last year's price fall, last October, so October 2020. If you look at it month to month, Korean prices fell by 0.6%. So even if there were no increase in price levels from uh, uh, September 2021, because if when you look at year to year, you're beginning at October last year, inflation would have been over 3%. Mm. In fact, month to month inflation for October 2021 was only 0.1%, which frankly is considerably less than what I and many analysts expected. Personally, I expected the year to year inflation. Uh, for October 2021 to be around 3.5% uh, because of the uh, 0.6% fall last year. Mm. And perhaps monthly inflation in October 2021 around 0.5% per month. But amazingly, this month's month-to-month inflation oh. was only 0.1%. All right. And so let's take a look at then why. What could be explained as a reasoning for the numbers to be much lower than expected, as you've said? Yeah, the uh, reason for the uh, low inflation month-to-month in October 2021 was fresh food prices. Uh, now, usually uh, when I uh, come in and talk about inflation, I say that the other types of inflation were low, but inflation for fresh food was really high, and that increased the inflation rate. But this month, it's the opposite. Fresh food prices actually fell, at least according to government statistics, uh, and other prices rose, which is uh, concerning. Fresh food prices uh, fell uh, by minus 6.5% on a month-to-month basis, and minus 7.5% on year-to-year basis. Uh, Actually, this fall is consistent with uh, historical post-Chuseok price behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, Food prices rise before Chuseok, and then it falls after Chuseok. But this year, it seems to be the uh, amount of fall seems to be very high, uh, partially because the uh, food prices in the past went up a lot, Uh, And that was because of the uh, weather factors. We had extremely strange uh, winters and Mm. summers for the last year. So the uh, prices for fresh food really had went up a lot. And Mm. now it seems to have fallen or is falling toward more normal levels. But Ah. because it has uh, increased so much in the past, it looks like uh, it's falling very quickly. But also, I got to admit, I'm not sure about some of the uh, government numbers here because they say that the lettuce prices fell by 36% month to month and cabbage prices by 22% month to month, spinach by 38% month to month. And well, I'm not 
I don't go to the uh, supermarket all that often, but that just doesn't seem like what uh, right to me. But still, uh, that's what uh, government <laughs> statistics. I uh, seem to uh, be saying for mm. the uh, country as all. So maybe it averages out to be that, but in certain districts, it, maybe it's not reflected because I can't feel the difference. And that's also important for consumers, right? Uh, exactly. Professor Young, the natural assumption would have been that the lower month-to-month numbers indicate that inflation is under control. But that's not what's happening here, is it? Yeah, I don't think it's coming under control because, well, as I said, uh, the low month-to-month inflation is because of agricultural crisis, agricultural prices. Uh, so, and the uh, uh, but the other prices are not uh, doing. Uh, other prices are rising, and even the agricultural prices. If you look at global agricultural prices, mm-hmm. they're rising. The so-called agflation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the uh, reason for October's. Uh, the uh, energy prices are rising very quickly. Gasoline prices rose 26% over last year. Diesel fuel by 31%. Mm-hmm. Globally, barrel of oil rose from 49% per barrel in January to 85% per barrel before falling right now to around $81. Natural prices, natural oil prices also doubled, so energy prices are really rising very quickly. Mm-hmm. But even if you exclude energy uh, prices and agricultural prices, inflation is becoming higher. Uh, Core inflation, which excludes agricultural goods and oil, rose from 1.9% year-on-year September to 2.8% in October year-to-year. That's highest since uh, January 2012. Uh, Korea has another measure of core inflation, which excludes food and oil, that rose from 1.5% to 2.4%, which is the highest since uh, December 2015. Mm-hmm. So even without, even if we exclude food and energy, increase in inflation was really high. Uh, mm-hmm. Manufactured mm-hmm. goods rose 4.3% on year from 3.4% in September, and this is the this is a classification of goods, uh, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation was in 1% and 0 point uh, range for most of 20, uh, 2010s, and it's been negative uh, for uh, most of 2020, but now we're seeing 4.3%, which is very surprising. Much of this uh, increase in price of manufactured goods is probably due to a rise in oil prices, mm-hmm. but also contributing is the uh, increase in rise uh, of uh price of raw materials mm. and the uh, uh, bottlenecks in transportation and mm. production that we've been talking uh, we've been hearing about because of the coronavirus and also there uh, there seems to be some specula- speculation involved because there's so much money lying around right now because of the loose monetary policy mm. um, and then this is a bit of a good news uh, in the long term but there has been a really large increase in demand for goods from some countries like the United States because now they're going uh, they're coming out of the uh, distancing measures mm. and they're starting to engage in what we expected in the past the increase in so-called revenge spending <laughs> and up demand mm. so all of these things are contributing to uh, price inflation right now uh, because you brought up the United States, there are also concerns that rise in wages are playing a part in price inflation and possibly resulting in long-term high inflation. Uh, are there any indication that something similar might be happening in Korea? 
Well, unlike the United States, wages, at least so far, do not seem to be rising by very much in Korea, though there are some reports that young people are not responding to offers for uh, minimum wage jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, another factor that we have to consider is what we call expected inflation, how people, uh, what people predict inflation to be for the next few months or next year or so. Uh, and for now, Uh, that doesn't seem to be rising very much. Mm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, corona uh, bottleneck situation works out, uh, and if the uh, pent-up demand falls like we uh, think it will in a few months, uh, this price rise will be only transitory, will go back to so-called more normal price levels. But if this inflation does last a longer time, Mm. and if people start expecting higher, uh, a longer period of higher inflation, mm-hmm. then they'll start asking for higher wages. Mm-hmm. And that, this is a word that we haven't used since the 1970s, the so-called wage price spiral, uh, which mm-hmm. will lead to a uh, very higher inflation for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And that would be a bigger cause for worry. Uh, so because we brought the keyword stagflation, I do have to bring it up once more. It's inflation coupled with recession, and we're definitely seeing some inflation, though some say it may not be long term. It's a result of the pandemic. But how does this affect employment? Are there any signs that employment is slowing down? Okay, well, if you look at only the surface numbers, mm. employment is recovering. Uh, but looking in depth, there are really some worrying signs. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the surface numbers first. Okay. Uh, the uh, numbers of jobs in October 21 was 2,774,000. Uh, that's up nearly 65,000 compared to 20, uh, October 2020 a, a year ago. Uh, unemployment, it fell uh, by uh, 241,000 to mm-hmm. 788,000 in October. Mm-hmm. Employment rate is 61.4%. It's up a full uh, 1.0 percentage point from last year. Unemployment rate is 2.8%. Uh, this is the lowest in eight years. Mm-hmm. And in all age categories, employment rate is higher than October 2020 a year ago. So every number looks good compared to where it was a year ago. But this is misleading because... October 2020 was in the midst of a uh, uh, pandemic. Pandemic, yeah, pandemic slowdown. Yeah. So almost any number has to look good. In comparison, uh, right. Yeah, so personally, I've been comparing it to 2019 numbers. And what we see here is employment numbers have caught up to 2019 levels. Mm. Uh, 2021 uh, does have higher job numbers and lower unemployment numbers than in 2019. So in that sense, the uh, government uh, is correct. Uh, Employment rate for 2021 is slightly lower than uh, 2019 due to more workers in the labor force in 2021. And the unemployment rate is lower uh, in 2021. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, as I said, surface numbers, we've caught up to uh, pre-corona October 2019. Mm -hmm. But... If you start looking at the details, uh-huh. if you look at the uh, age groups, okay. uh, the uh, prime working age uh, people oh, did not do so well compared to 2019, mm-hmm. where the uh, job numbers rose were 15 to 29-year-olds and over 60-year-olds. Mm. Uh, but if you look at uh, 30 to 39-year-olds and 40 to 49-year-olds, their employment rate has fallen significantly. Uh 
And then 50 to 59-year-olds, they're about the same as it was in 2019. Mm. So... Uh, most of the job increases took place for the uh, very uh, younger people and the retired people, uh, what we think of as prime working age people. They mm-hmm. didn't do; uh, they, they're not doing very well. And, and then, mm-hmm. if we look at uh, statistics for how many hours per work, uh, hours per week that these people work, then we see a collapse in full-time jobs, mm-hmm. uh, even compared to, believe it or not, last year, twenty uh, twenty. That's really surprising. Uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, there was a uh, 21.2% fall in what we consider full-time jobs. Uh, that is, uh, jobs which have more than 36 hours per week. And if we just consider 36 to 52 hours per week, uh, that number of jobs there fell by 22.2%. And where the most of the job increases took place was jobs from 18 to 35 uh, hours, so that's working more than half the week, but less than a full week. Mm. Uh, that grew by 132.7% compared to last year. Mm. So it seems like a lot of people gained part-time jobs, mm. uh, or a lot of the full-time jobs were switched into uh, part-time jobs. Mm. Uh, so in that sense, the quality of jobs have really fallen. Mm. And if you look at where the uh, job increase has taken place, it rose in health and social services. Mm. Uh, and that's mostly government-sponsored jobs. Right, right. It also rose in transportation and warehousing. That's uh, delivery services uh, for the uh, most part. Mm. And education services also rose a lot, but that's partially because it fell a lot last year. Mm. Uh, and where it fell this year was in wholesale and retailing and personal services, which are related to distancing measures. Mm. So quality of jobs do have serious problems, and the uh, job creation seems to be dependent on government funding, mm. and private sector jobs, uh, well, in the, uh, they seem to be more of a uh, growing more part-time jobs rather than full-time jobs. Uh, but uh, would that could that be alleviated when uncertainties around the pandemic are lifted just a little bit going into next year? Or do you think that's a little bit more hopeful? Uh, I think because we we lost full-time jobs compared to last year when yeah. the pandemic was in full swing, this is a very worrying trend. Mm. Now it could be temporary because uh, uh, September we had Chuseok. Uh, we also had less of a boost from uh, relief payments than we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and uh, distancing measures are still in place. So uh, we need to look at October numbers. But if this collapse and full-time jobs continue, uh, then that is a worrying signal mm-hmm. for Korean recovery uh, this in the uh, uh, remainder of this year and next year. The thing is, with stagflation, it presents a major problem for policymakers because measures designed to curb inflation may inadvertently further increase unemployment, too. That's just a textbook explanation as to what stagflation can do. What do the numbers say about the possibility of stagflation? Okay, well, if you just take the uh, definition, which is inflation coupled with uh, economic slowdown, that may happen. Mm. But uh, when the last example of stagflation we had was uh, economy in 1970s. And if you go back to economy in 1970s, uh, in the United States, you had inflation higher than 10% throughout most of the 70s. In Korea, it was higher than 15% for most of the uh, 1970s. 
Uh, and inflation is not going to get that high uh, this year, no matter how bad inflation is going to get. And then unemployment uh, for the United States, uh, it rose as high as 12 percent. In Korea, it rose as high as 5.2 percent. And again, I don't think it's going to get anywhere near those numbers. Mm. So uh, we might have a textbook definition of stagflation, but I don't think we will have uh, as serious uh, stagflation as we had in the 70s. Mm. Uh, finally, Professor Yang, before we let you go, we want to gain a little perspective on the recent American government's request on foreign semiconductor companies to hand over supply chain information to the U.S. Department of Commerce. So Samsung Electronics and Hynix have also been ordered to submit information on production and distribution of their semiconductors, uh, despite initial reservations about sharing quote-unquote trade secrets. They also had little choice but to follow in the footsteps of Taiwan's TSMC. Now, Korean government has said that the U.S. request for information is likely to be a one-time thing. How do you feel about the United States' request for information, and do you really think that request will be one-time only? Okay, well, the United States really wants to get a full picture of the flowchart on how semiconductors are produced and who is consuming them, and they want to get a picture of all types of semiconductors because if you look at the current uh, semiconductor shortfall, it's really a very few semiconductors which are causing all the problems and one of the reasons why it's causing so much problems is because these semiconductors sometimes are very cheap mm-hmm. uh, the automobile uh, semiconductors that's worrying everybody so uh, supposed to be uh, costing only about a few cents each which is part of the problem because that's why the foundries are not so excited about making a lot on an emergency basis. They're not going to make much money off of it. Mm. Uh, so the uh, United States is using the national uh, defense laws to try to get information so they can get a full picture. And uh, I think as long as the bottleneck situation continues, United States is going to continually ask for uh, more information. The mm. uh, Korean government says that uh, this is probably a one-time thing, but as long as the bottleneck continues, I think the United States government will keep asking for information. Mm. Uh, now, is that uh, necessarily a bad thing? Right. Well, the uh, Samsung and Hynix says some of this information is uh, tr- uh, company secret, uh, trade secret, uh, but Korean companies do have a reputation for being hypersensitive about revealing prices, mm. especially to uh, foreign governments, mm. partially because the, uh, they're afraid that the information will go to competitors, partially because, well, uh, the information may reveal that Korean uh, companies are engaged in uh, anti-competitive activities. They've been caught at some activities like that in the past. Uh, and uh, so uh, some push to give more information may not be all that bad. Uh, but if it really is sensitive information, then at the le- very least, they need guarantees from the United States that this information will stay in government. It will not go to competitors mm. or potential competitors. And I think that is something that the United States may be uh, ready to listen to because uh, even TSMC did not submit all the information that United States wanted. And at least according to some uh, news reports, Samsung and Hynix are also uh, only reporting what Taiwan's uh, TSMC has reported, and they are keeping some a requested information secret. All right. Thank you very much, Professor Young, for such a thorough run through. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you.
If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.